you're tuned in to East Tennessee's premier sports radio call-in show. This is The Drive. Welcome to another stellar edition of The Drive here on Fan Run Radio. Russell Smith punching the time clock on a Tuesday afternoon edition of the show. Thank you for being along for the festivities this afternoon. A lot to get to. A lot going on on this beautiful Tuesday. Hope you're doing well, Bear. Good afternoon. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Head's kind of spinning. Every time I'd pick up my phone today, there would be a, a different piece of like somewhat big news out of pretty much every sport I follow. Somewhat big news. It's big news day. It was weird. Yeah. It's a random late February Tuesday and all kinds of news. We got UT Hoops tonight. Big one at the arena mm-hmm. with Arkansas in town. I've been for the past couple of games telling you on game day like how I feel about the game. Yeah. And I feel like I've been pretty on it the past couple of weeks. Felt bad about A&M, felt good about South Carolina. Right. I don't have a feeling on this one. It's You don't have either way? Yeah, no. I don't know what to expect tonight. I really don't. Cuz I got a request from a from what, a listener. What is this top 40 radio or gonna... It was a request from you. A request from me? Yeah. I Wait, I gave you a request? No, it's a request it's for a, it's you. It's a request of, the, of me. Yes. They want to, this Confusing. person wanted to get a fresh. Wanted to get fresh. Wanted to get a fresh Russell's <laughs> optimistic, pessimistic, realistic oh. about the basketball team. Just in general? Yeah, like today. Th- like, like this, where we this stand, year's state team? Of, yeah, state of the program from where we stand today on Tuesday, February the 28th. All right. You know, just off the top of my head, usually I write this stuff out. You know, we just wing it. Optimistic, yeah. pessimistic, realistic. Optimistic, this year's team, uh, we're getting healthy. Got some good players. One of the best defensive teams in the history of collegiate basketball. Get hot. Everybody's healthy at the same time. Get on a little run here. Get on a little run. That's the optimistic take. What's the negative? The, uh, p- the pessimistic take is... This team peaked already. They're running out of gas. They can't stay healthy down the stretch. They're too up and down, too offensively flaccid, and they're just waiting for a first weekend exit in the NCAA tournament. That's the pessimistic take. What's the realistic take? Team has good veteran leadership. They get Phillips back. That's a really talented player they've got coming back they do play really good defense but they are offensively a little eh, up and down you don't know what you're going to get from one night to the next best hope is to get that first that Thursday bye in the SEC tournament and just fight your way out of the first weekend just fight your way out of the first weekend get to the second weekend 
at, and at that point, we should all be satisfied, I think. You think so? I think if we get to the Sweet 16, we should be pretty satisfied. I know it depends on the matchup and, and everything. but How the game goes down. Yeah, I'm not uh, – you get to the Sweet 16, I'm not going to get on here and kill this team if they don't make it any further. Do you think some of our listeners yes. and frequent callers <laughs> yes, will? they will. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they will. They will. What would it? What would shut the Barnes Bashers up? Have to be a Final Four. I think if, an elite if, eight. Yeah, if they get to the Elite Eight, they get to the Final Eight this year, which possible? Eh, you know, yeah. like it. But if they did, like I don't see how anybody can complain at that point. I I could I could see how we can all be frustrated if it ends there. It's like oh man we did it again so and we just close. can't get over the hunt. Yeah we're so close. I can get the frustration out of our situation, but I don't. You can't get on here and say oh Barnes failed again. Like we went to the elite eight. By the way, we're ranked number twelve this week. That's where we started. Yeah, in the poll in the preseason. Also, uh, we're right back where we started on Ken Palm. And one other of those. So, kind of. We are who we thought we were. Expectations, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, because I think if we make it to lead eight, it, it'll go down as probably one of his best coaching jobs ever for us to make it there. As beat up as we are right mm-hmm. now. Have you read the John Bryce thing about the NCAA investigation? Just dropped like an hour ago. Uh, no, I have not yet. I, I've just skimmed it. And um, if. You saw Ross Dellinger earlier today had the that story about the four Pruitt assistants who basically accepted their three- to five-year show causes, but Pruitt and Tennessee are still wrangling with the NCAA, and it's probably going to go to a hearing. John Bryce has some more. Ready? Yeah, well, you forgot Ainsley, but – Ansley, but uh, I said you know, four assistants. Well, no, he. I don't think – I thought he was the one in nothing. He, oh, no, yeah, Ansley and Pro- – but, but Ansley I mean, doesn't He's the defensive I, it, coordinator for the Raiders now. Yeah, who cares? Okay, go ahead. What Hit me. John Bryce, Football Scoop writes, a boxing term might help assess the status of the University of Tennessee's ongoing NCAA investigation into the Volunteers football program under former coach Jeremy Pruitt. A split decision. Multiple former UT Athletics employees at the center of the probe, including a pair of on-field assistants, reached agreement with the NCAA about the penalties, uh, though a portion of those agreements occurred well before the end of the 2022 calendar year. The NCAA just released an update into its litigation in the UT investigation. So, uh, Drew Hughes, the former personnel director, as well as Shelton Felton and Brian Niedermeyer. It's been a while since we said Shelton Felton. It's so fun to say. It rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Yeah. So they're going to have the they're going to have the things. Michael Magnus, a recruiting assistant, is going to have the thing. The show cause, blah blah blah. That's nothing I didn't know. No, I thought you were getting ready to hit me with something. I'm I'm, I'm working to it, man. I'm skimming. I'm skimming. Okay. Sorry. Probe is uh, stretched two years. Sources have told Football Scoop that both Pruitt and UT have not agreed to any or all penalties, respectively. Per sources, Pruitt, who worked under Nick Saban as well as Jimbo Fisher, has contended that he did not have direct knowledge of the recruiting infractions and that I, can, I can't even say it like the straight face. Come on, uh, man. 
that indeed the NCAA proved unfolded directly in his program and which numbered nearly 20 charges, uh, charged misdeeds by the NCAA in its investigation into the Vols. I just, uh, man, I wish I could see it. I want to see his face. I want to see his stupid, bald head when he's denied. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do nothing wrong. All right. So he, he's saying he wasn't aware that he was committing a level one violation during the COVID dead period when nobody was supposed to be going anywhere yeah. and he was hosting families himself. Really, Jeremy? I don't know. The thing that jumps out to me about all that, and we, we, I mean, we just don't know, is the fact that there seems to be some different, differing opinions between the NCAA and Tennessee as far as like the institution, yeah. whether we've paid enough. Well, here's the, here's the big part. Here, here's the part I was searching for. It's a pretty big piece. Bryce wrote. Sources have told Football Scoop that part of the expected penalties for UT as an institution include vacating wins under Pruitt during the alleged time frame Big deal. of the allegations, multiple years of probation, believed to be a four-year term, scholarship reductions to be implemented over a period of multiple years, that's the big one, as well as recruiting restrictions to limit both visitors to campus and coaches allowed visits on the road during evaluation periods, as well as deduction of revenues and bowl money. Yeah. I've, if I'm uh, Danny White, Dondi Plowman, Randy Boyd, I'm giving them the one-finger salute on all that. They're not going to count anything that we self-imposed already? Well, I, I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know. This is just reading from Football Scoop. Um I, I kind of had a feeling that they would try and come in and tack on a little bit more. Four tack years on of, a little bit more. Four years of probation seems like a lot for something that ended in 2020, to me. Like, are we counting the the past two seasons? Because if you're saying, well, you're under probation, and that's a blanket term, right? You're. It's basically just don't mess up again, or we'll really get you. Like, if you count 20 and 2021 and 2022 as that. And it's just twenty three and twenty four, or two more years of probation, and then it's over. Like to me, we can have that conversation. If you're saying that this program is on probation through twenty twenty six, I got a problem with that. I got a problem with that. I, I got a problem with the, you know, the visits, the recruiting, yeah, the scholarships, the money reduction. They can go to you know where. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I tell them I'll see you in court then, and then I would get. The most expensive, best lawyer I could find that wanted to go tangle with them and let him find a reason that, and it's probably not hard with them. I mean, damn, Bill Self was on an FBI. I'm getting that. Well, I think this goes through phases. I mean, this the frustrating thing for fans is this is probably going to drag on for the rest of the year because it sounds like Tennessee's headed towards a hearing with the NCAA Infractions Committee. If they're unable to come to a, an agreement with the NCAA on what the penalties are, wrap it up, and, uh, and, and just be done with it, then you have a hearing, presumably sometime in the coming months, by the, by the summer at the latest. And then I think after that, the NCAA has X number of days to respond, 30, 60, or 90, something like that. 
they have to to right. levy the, their penalties, and then you either accept the penalties and the case is done, or you can appeal, which I feel like has rarely worked out for schools, but still that adds another couple of months to the process. And then at, at, if if your appeal doesn't go the way you want it to at that point, then I think you're getting to where you're talking about, which is you sue. Has anybody ever sued the NCAA successfully like that for penalties levied in an infractions case and had those penalties lifted and be made whole again? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think at this point, if I'm Tennessee, now is when I try and slow everything down as, just to a snail's pace because I think the NCAA – in particular in regards to college football is not going to have a say in it sooner rather than later you just try and slow play it out appeal appeal to, you know and this is what this was a danger us when we you know went down this path of complete transparency yeah. well additionally a source with direct knowledge told football scoop that ut has been advised to quote disassociate itself with a pair of boosters alleged to have helped facilitate impermissible benefits here's my my deal to me i've always said the scholarships are the big thing like you don't want they've already lost 10 scholarships the past two years and that should be over now but if the ncaa is saying that's not enough we need to see the claw marks on your back a little bit more we're going to take some more scholarships and we're going to reduce the number of days that you can host visitors the number of visits that your coaches can make off campus we're going to do all that. To me, that's so much bigger than the bull ban. And I said this at the time. People said, you're being too harsh. It's too. You should have imposed a bull ban that first year. We shouldn't have gone to the stupid Music City Bowl. And I would say that even if we had won the game against Purdue. You should have, you should have done that so that you could come back and say, and I don't feel this way, but this is the way they feel. Oh, we can't punish the kids and blah, blah. Like, show them, like, this really hurt us. We didn't go to a bowl game in Josh Heupel's first year, and it would have been a great thing for this program. And, like, I, I feel like if you had done that and fallen on the sword a little bit more at the beginning, you would be less likely to – because let's be honest, man. We had those scholarship reductions and the recruiting sanctions and all that stuff, and there's – still went pretty well i think the ncaa probably sees that and it's like look you guys went 10 and 2 last year you haven't really suffered for this you haven't been punished i see that part of it from their point of view i don't care i don't want to be punished but i can see that that's how they might be thinking about this situation they should they should have taken a self-imposed bull ban that first year telling you telling you would have helped i'm not arguing with you i'm I'm just saying it's this I just I can't wait till the NCAA goes away. Well, Tony, Tony Vitello was his, his suspension was longer than Bill Self's. <laughs> Bill Self on a wiretap talking about and and Vite- and they're still after Vitello. By the way, by the way, that's not done. Oh, yeah. I know some people are like acting like there's no big deal. That's still a thing. They're still sniffing around, talking to other people. It's not just the Maui Ahuna situation that they're investigating. Our boy's not out of the woods yet. Maui's back today. We'll talk about it. Much to discuss. When we continue, we'll get uh, Curtis Wilkerson. He covers Arkansas for the 247 site. 
down there. Talk to him about game tonight at the arena. Vols, Hogs, big one coming up tonight. Late one, 9 p.m. tip. Late, late voluntary reaction. Might get a little loose on the Twitter spaces later this evening. Stay with us. The drive continues. More Fan Run Radio coming up. All right, the drive continues. Fan Run Radio. Russell Bear and Marcus back with you. Beautiful Tuesday afternoon here in East Tennessee. Last day of February. Tomorrow it's time. Spring is springing around Atlantic here. Sun Conference tournament already going on last night. You see they had a wild ending in that thing last night? It's already started? Yeah. I wonder where that. The madness is here. Let's go to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines where we've got a special guest stated by Curtis Wilkerson. He covers Arkansas for hogsports.com. That's hog with a W. Good afternoon, Curtis. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing really good, guys. Good to be on with you. Hey, thanks for jumping on with us, man. It has been a wild year for the Hogs. Uh, Kind of up and down, lofty expectations, kind of stumbled out of the gates, had some injuries. But, Curtis, it seems like they're playing better here lately. How would you describe the current state of things for uh, Musselman's crew coming in here tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think things are trending positively for Arkansas. You know, fans seem to be, uh, you know, cautiously optimistic that maybe they've turned the corner here. You're right. I mean, it, it has been up and down for the Razorbacks. Um, you know, injuries, some inconsistencies, roles shifting around. And you guys know how that is over at Tennessee. I know they haven't necessarily been healthy themselves. So it's it's been a challenging year for the Razorbacks, but it, it does seem like they might be turning the corner a little bit. I think they're as healthy as they're going to be. Uh, right now and and, you know since they've kind of I think found their lineup and and maybe their identity through their rotation the last three games here have been pretty promising but the challenge for the Razorbacks has been to get over the hump on the road man they've really struggled with some close ones you know away from Bud Walton Arena and they've got one more chance to figure it out tonight and it's not going to be an easy one no and uh, Arkansas struggled in Thompson Bowling Arena through the years, but one thing that they've got to be excited about, Curtis, is Nick Smith Jr. I mean, we heard a lot about him coming into the season, impact five-star freshman coming into uh, Arkansas, and, and he's been injured, had, had a knee issue. He's back now. He's only played about 10 games this season for the Hogs. Has he had much of an impact since coming back? Oh yeah, yeah. Nick is—he's uh, a completely uh, a completely different kind of player uh, that, than Arkansas has had over the course of the years, especially as a freshman. Uh, he's an alpha, you know. He's a, he's a top dog. I think they kind of built the roster around him, and, and that's probably part of the struggles that mm. Arkansas has faced throughout the course of the season, not having him. But he is back now. Uh, he does look healthy, and, and it was a little bit of an adjustment period. Uh, the first couple games he came back, you know, they lost to Mississippi State, lost to Texas A and M. Uh, but then they threw him in the lineup there against Florida and, and kind of ripped off the Band-Aid and said, you know what, you're going to be our guy. Uh, we're going to play you. And, and so they've done that the last three games. Arkansas picked up a couple big home wins and, you know, really pushed Alabama to the brink on the road over the weekend. Uh, you know, I, I think the biggest difference when you got a guy like Nick out there uh, is you got a player that you can give the ball to and, and kind of clear out and say, hey, man, we need you to go get us one. And, and they didn't have that up to that point. So, uh, he adds a new dynamic to the team, especially on the offensive end of the floor. He can space it out and shoot it. Arkansas has been a little light on three-point shooting. Uh, and, and he's an overall playmaker. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a, a big addition for the Razorbacks. They seem to be playing a little bit faster uh, with a little bit more of an edge and confidence now that they have him back. 
with a guy like that, you certainly assume he's one and done. Is there a feeling that, you know, obviously if, if he comes back, has a big impact, and the Hogs make a run, then it'll be the happy ending Arkansas fans were hoping for. But if they don't, Curtis, if they, you know, sputter out, can't get out the first weekend, uh, is there a sense that, man, is is just kind of disappointing to have a player like that and you don't have much regular season success or postseason success? Yeah, maybe a little bit. You know, Arkansas has been so fortunate the last couple of years. They've, they've really stayed healthy, uh, you know, and, and really, I think, been playing their best ball, you know, going into the postseason, back-to-back Elite Eights. I know it's got Arkansas fans really excited, but it also comes with some high expectations there, kind of like you talked about. And they went out and, and signed the number two ranked recruiting class in the country uh, and, and brought in some really – Highly talented transfers. Um, you know, obviously another guy they lost is Trevin Brazil, the Missouri transfer, who's really having a breakout season for him early on. So, um, yeah, you know, I think it's been kind of difficult for Arkansas fans to to maybe recalibrate those expectations a little bit because they are just a, a, a different team than they look like on paper coming into the preseason when they were kind of a trendy Final Four pick. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I think there's some some validity to that. You know, when you get a, a player of Nick's caliber, especially an in-state guy, everybody's a little bit extra excited about that. But boy, you only have him for about a third of the season. Uh, you hope, if you're a Razorback fan, that it, it kind of ends like you said with that storybook ending, and they make a nice run there. If not, uh, there'll probably always be some questions about you know what if with this Arkansas team. Talking with Curtis Wilkerson of hogsports.com. Curtis, as I look at this game tonight, the, the thing that strikes me as very interesting about Arkansas is their most productive player this year, Ricky Council, leads the league in minutes played, and he doesn't start for them. Is it kind of a situation where he comes off the bench three or four minutes in and then doesn't leave the floor? Um, pretty much, yeah. It's, you know, it, it, it was really interesting with Ricky – uh, you know, when Arkansas signed him out of the transfer portal uh, from Wichita State, he was the AAC Sixth Man of the Year last year. So he's a guy who's comfortable coming off the bench and, you know, providing a lot of firepower. He actually found his way into the starting lineup for Arkansas and, and started a, a ton of games for him. You know, in the early, early portions of the season, the SEC schedule, I think some of that might be because they were battling with some injuries elsewhere. Uh, since Nick Smith returned, uh, you know, and, and, and kind of got thrust into the lineup. They've moved Ricky back to that six-man role, and he's really, really thrived. I think it's been good for him because it looked like, I don't know if he was battling some fatigue, uh, you know, or maybe just the grind of the season was getting to him, but he was a little bit less efficient than he had been, didn't look quite as explosive. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. You know, if, if they don't start him, he's usually the first guy in there, maybe even before the first media timeout. Uh, in most of these games and he doesn't really come off the floor but yeah I mean in these games he's been coming off the bench he's been averaging over 20 uh, you know he looks sharp and, and confident and comfortable doing that that's not an easy position to be in so it's kind of been a luxury for the Hawks to be able to bring that kind of firepower off the bench what about Musselman down there is he he seems like a pretty popular guy he's had you know Arkansas as a proud basketball tradition those of us who who've watched them for a number of years, you know, national champions in 1992, multiple Final Fours, Nolan Richardson, 40 minutes of hell. But uh, they they went through a lot of guys, and then he comes in there and seems like he's done a really nice job down there. I'd imagine that makes him a pretty popular figure in Fayetteville. Yeah, 100%. I, I can't really think of a, of a better, you know, marriage between a fan base and a coach. The Arkansas fans are – 
Uh, like you said, they're proud. It's, it's an intense and, and passionate fan base. And when you've got an intense and passionate coach, that's usually a good combination, especially when you're winning a lot of games. So uh, that has certainly helped, you know, the success that he's had. But um, I think the fans really have taken a liking to Musk because he's a, the way he's so engaging. He's a guy who's very active uh, in terms of trying to market the program. He's out there on social media. Uh, you know, he engages the fan base. And he has, I think it's kind of been endearing to him. So, uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's done a really good job. I, I think when he came over from Nevada, people didn't really know what to expect, uh, you know, maybe against the grain of what you would expect and, you know, in a hire for Arkansas. Uh, but boy, it really looks to be a home run here in his fourth season. And uh, yeah, I think fans are really happy to have Moss and you know, he's doing a great job. All right. Big one tonight, Tennessee and Arkansas at Thompson Bowling Arena. Curtis, I know they love their college baseball down there in Arkansas as well. When Arkansas fans hear the name Tony Vitello, <laughs> what is the reaction down there? And it's kind of a mixed bag. That's so funny, you know, because I, I think if, if you ask that question, uh, you know, even a couple of years ago, you know, people were probably saying, man, maybe, maybe one day the next Arkansas head coach, you know, maybe he'll be the guy that, you know, succeeds Dave Van Horn and, and you know, carries the legacy of the program on, whatever. Uh, but it seems like there's a little bit of a rivalry growing there now. So it, it's been really interesting to see that. It's kind of funny. You know, it, it, I don't know what the perception is over there, but it kind of seems like uh, in ways Vitello might be kind of like Musselman, where you know, he's a guy, if he's leading your program, uh, just with his personality, you know, you love him. But from the outside, you might look and go, oh, I don't know about this guy. Maybe one of those guys that you kind of love to hate from the outside. And so I think you might see a little bit of the, the parallels between those two, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know that they're as excited about him as they used to be. And I, I think, uh, you know, just given the history with him at Arkansas and then obviously the, uh, the funny little spat there with him and DVH a couple of years ago, I, I think there's definitely a sense of rivalry there, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And everybody's looking forward to that series this year. They play in Fayetteville after there was such a war of words after that series and 2021 and then the two teams didn't get to hook up last year and it's happening this year in Fayetteville Curtis what is there going to be a rude welcoming for Tony Vitello when he returns he he has nice things to say about Fayetteville I know he enjoyed his time down there but um he he also wants to beat his his mentor for sure oh yeah yeah no doubt about it I I think uh you know, maybe a, 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 a rude welcome would probably be a, a good way to put it. It's going to be interesting. You know, I, I think Arkansas fans, they, uh, you know, they like to think of themselves as, as pretty energetic and pretty fiery. Uh, you know, when when John Calipari comes to, to Arkansas to Bud Walton Arena, he's going to hear it from the crowd. Uh, and I think Tony Vitello is, is definitely probably graduated into that status, you know, when he comes to Bomb Walker this year. Uh, but you know what? That's probably saying that he's doing a pretty good job over there. That's probably what you want as an opposing head coach. But it's going to be really interesting. You know, the Razorback fans are usually really respectful. But, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely let you hear it uh, if they feel a certain type of way about you. So I'm, I'm just really, really anxious for that series. Uh, I think it's going to be packed. I think it's going to be exciting. I mean, both teams are really, really good. Uh, but, yeah, I think the first thing on people's minds is going to be, well, what is that reception going to look like? Uh, probably going to be a spattering of booze, but we'll see. It'll be fun to watch. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Should be good. All right, uh, last thing, Curtis, we'll let you out of here. We, we talked hoops, baseball. What about uh, football program there with Sam Pittman? It seemed like you know he, he hit there and maybe wasn't a sexy splash hire at the time, but 
he he seemed to get it rolling and got Arkansas fans behind him and playing an exciting physical style of football and everything. But it also seems like maybe, correct me if I'm wrong here, not casting aspersion. We love Sam Pittman. He coached here for a couple of years in, in Knoxville. Um, it, it's it, maybe the new car smell wearing off a little bit here in 2023. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's fair to say. I think it's a really important, the most important year of, of Sam Pittman's tenure. Uh, you know, he went through the first three there. He, he was able to keep his coordinators through all those. There's just a lot of continuity uh, within the program. They were excited about that. People were really high on him. And, and then for a variety of reasons, they probably fell short of, of expectations last year, even though given where the program was a few years ago, going six and, or I guess seven and six with the bowl game last year, you, you got to be happy with that if you're a Razorbacks fan. But uh, yeah, just a lot of change, and so I think people are really going to be watching the Razorbacks closely this year. They've got new coordinators, uh, a lot of new position coaches, and you know, it's a lot of turnover there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what changes throughout the throughout the course of the program. But they got a pretty good, you know, foundation laid there with with KJ Jefferson and, and Rocket Sanders coming back. Those two guys are going to be able to lead the offense and. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I, I think there's still some cautious optimism there, but definitely some you know antennas were raised uh, just with the way things kind of went down this year. So I, I think it's fair to say maybe that new car smell has worn off a little bit, uh, but people still seem to be on the Pittman train pretty much. All right. Well, looking forward to it tonight. Curtis, appreciate you jumping on and sharing some knowledge with us. Go check him out at hogsports.com. He's at Kurt Wilkerson underscore on Twitter, the 247 Network. Curtis Wilkerson, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Curtis Wilkerson joins on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Check out Big Orange Phillies if you're looking for a place to watch the ball game tonight. That late tip, you can go in there, get yourself a little Philly cheesesteak sandwich, some wings, pizza, something like that. Maybe shoot around a pool, then boom, 9 o'clock game time, Vols, Hogs, ESPN. And you can watch it there while you drink a couple of cold beverages at Big Orange Philly, 6625 Maynardville Pike in beautiful halls. Tell them Fan Run sent you. They're online at BigOrangePhillies.com. Let's take a quick time out here. When we continue, we'll open up those Big Orange Phillies phone lines for you. 865-546-8200 if you want to go ahead and get in line. 546-8200. Back with more right after this. Welcome back. Radio. Stupid. That's ignorant. Welcome back in. Tuesday afternoon edition of the show, Curtis Wilkerson of hogsports.com. Bear, what did you learn? Well, uh, it not surprised, something we all knew, uh, going down there uh, to Fayetteville for the baseball weekend series, uh, it's going to be probably uh, an incredibly tough environment. I would venture to say that they're going to make it nasty. Mm. Borderline dangerous, probably. Looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. Bring it. Poll question in the field. If you could only win one series, and we want to win them all, I think we will win more than one, but if you could only win one, these three series, I think these are the three biggest series. It's a great schedule this year for Tennessee baseball. 
You got Vandy at home, LSU on the road. They're number one right now, those posers. And Arkansas, Dave Van Horn, vice president of the SEC Mean Girls Club with Tim Corbin. You only win one. You can only win one. You have to lose the other two. Mm -hmm. Which one do you want to win the most? Uh, I mean, if this was two weeks ago, I would have said Arkansas and Fayetteville just because I, I I don't like Dave Horn. I just don't like him. I don't like the way he looks. You don't like him so much you won't even give him the van in the middle of his name there. It's uh, just Dave Horn. I, I thought I said Van Horn. Usually I call him Dave Van Halen. Uh, but Timmy, uh, l- little Timmy, little Timmy needs to have his teeth knocked out. Oh! Figuratively speaking. Marcus, violent, batting helmet, bozo. Uh, I'm going to say LSU, beating the number one team on the road in their house, the biggest stadium in college yeah. baseball. Going in there, that'd be pretty sweet. It'd be pretty cool. They're I mean, cool even enough. one of the you know, there's deeply personal anger issues I have with Vanderbilt, Arkansas. Uh, I want to do it because I, I know their fan base deep down; they'll never admit it. But I think they wanted Tony to hang out there under Van Halen. And then uh, him, they really thought Vitello was going to hang around there and be the head coach there. To go yeah, I, I got to go with Barrow this one, man. I, I think you get more brownie points for winning at LSU. I think that's the biggest series. I think for Vitello, it might mean the most personally for him to go back into Arkansas where he worked for a number of years, especially after he and Van Horn got into it last time and 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 beat him in his home stadium. But for us as fans, and and maybe for Vitello, he, he might he might despise Corbin more than he despises Van Horn. No, I, I don't it's know. It's an in-state thing. Yeah. We can't let those egghead geeks – come in here after Corbin's been ratting on our boy and not let snitches get stitches. He's a rat. I don't even want to win two. I don't even want to win that series. I want to sweep. If we – anything less than a sweep, and I will be disappointed. I will be kind of disappointed if we only win two of those games. Yeah. Every time I see Corbin's – it just reminds me of, of The Departed. I want blood. He's talking about trying it's, to find the rat. Dude, it's right there. It's right there with the South Carolina football game this year. In, in terms of just like games, it's almost you 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 don't want to lose them as much as you want to win them. I, I, I want to win them. I, I, I just want to beat that guy, man. He's a beat that guy. Yeah. Tim Corbin. Owner, I, Shane Beamer. I, just, I want him to retire. Just having the uh, whistler. Add extra motivation to wanting to beat Van. No, nah, I mean that guy's. You know, I don't. I don't know why they they allow him. We went four and zero against him last year. Yeah. I mean, it's we dealt with him, but the the nerve of Corbin to turn Vitello in for some, you know, whatever he turned him in for. After uh, sorry, I mean, Ahuna didn't want to come to Vanderbilt and play for you. You got no pop. You're old. Everybody knows you've lost your fastball, Timmy. Nobody likes you. Mm-mm. And you can't offer those, you know, gazillion-dollar-a-year full scholarships to go to Vanderbilt. How much does it cost to go to Vanderbilt for a year? What was the actual dollar value on that thing? 
I, I, I think mean, that was just had, such an unfair advantage. It's like 60 grand a year or something. Uh, baseball lineup out today. Maui Ahuna will bat in the sixth spot for Tennessee in his season debut. He starts at shortstop today. Yeah, I th- I kind of think he's going to – that's not where he'll end up the year, the spot he'll end up batting in. A lot of people think he's going to bat leadoff. Yeah, but, I mean, were you really going to do that where, to him where his you first go- game? <laughs> where are you going to put Dickey, though? Dickey? He, I mean, he's just an on-base machine. I don't. Who do we have at bat and cleanup right now? Denton. I did notice that, and I, I can't remember who we had on that was talking about it yesterday. Maybe it was Rick. Um, whoever who's been I can't pronounce his name. The kid that's been playing shortstop instead of a Huna. Jazzlove. Yeah, he's DHing. Yeah. No, somebody a caller asked if asked that, and and he interestingly enough, he is DHing today. Yeah. So, I think it may, maybe it was Rusty or somebody. It was one of our callers that actually knows baseball. So Xander Seacrest gets the start for Tennessee today. Xander. Let's go to the phones, 865-546-8200, your number to get on board. And we'll start today with Will. Good afternoon, Will. Hey, guys. Uh, happy Tuesday. It's absolutely perfect outside oh, today. I hope fantastic. you guys got to enjoy it. Yep. I, I think uh, – I'm pr- I'm pretty lucky. I, I got uh, some good text messages this morning, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get the old big orange double dip, the 4:30 first pitch, dinner break, and then the nine o'clock first tip. Uh, that's as that's as good as it'll get on a Tuesday in February. Yeah, it's also gonna be it's gonna be it's up near 70 right now. It's gonna be absolutely gorgeous t- this evening. Oh yeah, I I, uh, I I lathered up. I got I got sunscreen on. I got a you know, you got to get the base layer right before you. Uh, don't want to go. Don't want to go out there and get roasted that first no. day. Melanoma is no. a killer. No, yeah, and those those uh, those black seats at Lindsey Nelson. I've been burned literally and figuratively too many times. Um, hey, so I, I was thinking about the uh, the difference right now in kind of our baseball program and our basketball program, um, and the universal support of baseball and kind of the fractured nature of basketball a little bit um i think i think nothing galvanizes us like a good you know a good ncaa controversy or some kind of uh feeling that we're wronged where we can sharpen the pitchforks and stand up for our guy and really it made me think you know rick's never had that barnes except for penny the little back and forth with penny hardaway that might have been, you know, when they do those Q scores, that might have been the most popular Q score Rick Barnes ever had was when Hardaway and him were going at it. Ball fans loved that. you think there's something to it? As far as need, a rivalry, like getting your blood going and, and keeping it fresh and, and, and motivating you and driving you? Yeah, well, I'm talking about the fans getting behind something. I think okay. Vitello's popularity yeah. took off i mean obviously everybody was happy with him after he went to omaha but when he became a household name in town was the uh the mike Concho game when when we felt like we were getting screwed <laughs> people were like hey i'm ready to go to bat i'm ready to go to war for this guy but we, we tennessee fans love it when the guy is persecuted right when when they're coming after your guy this vitello stuff is a perfect example like we love to rally around 
our guy who's being you know held Maligned. down by the unseen forces at play working Them. against us yes the other yeah. it yeah. uh it, yeah we we do like that and yeah you're right i mean when when barnes is and, and he hasn't crossed swords with many guys out there you know it's um calipari and and penny are about the only ones well heck he, he and cal i mean maybe i'm wrong on that cal, yeah, cal are like buddies I they're bff yeah I was trying to figure out who has more heat, Rick and Penny or Tony and Timmy. Uh, hard to say. I mean, you know, Tony did – he made some pretty respect, respectful comments about Corbin when they played, you know, about his, his resume and this and that. Um, yeah, you know, he ha- he was a little bit deferential. I don't think Rick – Barnes has to even pretend with Penny. He's got, he's got no uh, coaching chops to brag on. And I, I don't know. I think if you got re- really deep down to it, Penny and Rick. Uh, but he, Rick's just a little more close to the vest with it. Uh, Barnes is too classy yeah. to let it spill over. Publicly. He, just, he just won't deal with him. Yeah, you, you just you, cut him off. Won't talk to him. Won't talk most about anyway, him. Won't play most him. anybody you ask Barnes about, he will be effusive in his praise. Even the guys like. Will Wade and um, there have been some others that you – I mean, Calipari has been in plenty of trouble. And yeah. You know that guy's a, a uh, known the, cheater off the court. And yet Deacon Barnes, will say something nice about yeah. He When asked about Penny, he's just kind of like, no comment. Yeah. Uh, next question, please. <laughs> you, that's how you know he doesn't like what, the guy. The part that kills me is you know that he can – you know that he can shred. I mean, you saw that guy's temper back in the day. I'd like to get him unfiltered on what he really thinks. Just get him on record. Or off the record, rather. Just to, I just want to hear it. It would be pretty interesting. I guess those candid conversations with him, he's a funny guy, but we don't necessarily get that that peek behind the curtain. Uh, but, yeah, last thing I'll get out of the poll question, uh, my initial react, reaction was Arkansas. Just um, with the, the, the guest you had on, he was, he was really good. Uh, I think he was underselling a little bit how much – Arkansas hates Tennessee, um, I guess just being polite on the radio. But uh, that was my initial reaction, but I think you won me over. I mean, it's it's always nice to beat the Vandy boys, and I know if you live in the mid-state, that's an easy question. They get a belly full of that uh, real fast. But I guess I'd vote Vandy on, on the day's question. All right. Good stuff, All Will. Right. Appreciate you, man. Thanks. All right, yeah, thanks for jumping in here. Speaking of Richard Dale Barnes, Big one tonight at the arena. Arkansas is in town. Here's the Deacon talking about the Hawks. Well, they're in a very aggressive team. You know, they, they've always been a, a, a terrific defensive team. I mean, they defend a three-point line as well as anybody you'll play. And the difference is, I think a year ago, they forced you inside and had a player that was looking to pick up charges. This year, they've got shot blockers. So when you go in there, you better know what you're getting ready to encounter. And But they... they really do play extremely hard defensively. Then offensively, another team that looks to really get the ball to the basket, attack the lane area in different ways, not just off the dribble, off you know the handoffs. The, any, any way they can create an angle to get downhill, they're, they're going to try to do that. I just don't – I don't have a good feeling one way or the other for that. I, I really don't know what to expect. I don't think either team is not going to play well. 
I think they're you know it's the last week of the seeding of, of the season. Everybody's playing for seeding at this point. I think that Arkansas is going to come in here with their hair on fire. I think Tennessee's going to come out and play well. I think we're going to have a great crowd tonight. It's sellout, all that stuff. Like I, I just think there's going to be two good teams playing their best, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a close game. And as we've talked about, like that's one of the missing pieces of mm-hmm. Tennessee's resume, in my opinion, is showing that they can grind out wins against quality competition. Yeah, we just, we just haven't seen it much this Mm-mm. year. The closest thing is is Alabama. They went up end up winning that game by nine. Yeah, you mentioned that to me. If, and I went it back and it didn't and watched feel like game. a grind out game. No, because it? in all honesty, if we had shot even halfway decent, we'd have blown them out that mm-hmm. night. They didn't. They had nothing once uh, Jemai shut down Brandon Miller. But uh, it. To be fair to Tennessee, I do think that you're probably going to have to win games like that where you're not sure. This is not an offensive juggernaut team. Mm-hmm. And we all know we're going to run into a good defensive team at some point, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be ugly, and it's going to be frustrating. But you got to win a couple of those games, man. Yeah. To make it to the final. Any team that makes it to the final four, rarely do you see teams make it all the way and just running through teams like UNLV oh. back in the day. Usually – the teams that make it and the team that wins it all has a game or two among that that six game journey to the championship. Home. Yeah, where it's just like it's nip and tuck, and they just barely get out of there by the skin of their teeth. I mean, North Carolina that big run last year. It, it all started sure. with that. It was against Baylor, wasn't it? They were down big to Baylor and mounted a ferocious comeback, and then ended up going on a run. But I mean, any more to make it to the Sweet Sixteen, you're going to have to play at least one. I mean, you, you heard Barnes there. They they run you off the three point line. They attacked relentlessly on the dribble drive. It's like yeah, it sounds like it sounds like Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like the teams that have given us trouble. So I don't know. Hopefully uh, things go well tonight down at the arena. It'll be a late one. We will have voluntary reaction for you. Uh, probably about eleven o'clock start there. Oof. 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 Yeah. I'll sleep in a little bit tomorrow. Yeah. 865-546-8200, your number to get on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Coming up, we have a new segment we're going to debut today on the show. Mm-hmm. We're excited about this. This isn't one of those willy-nilly drive things. We've actually been – we've put a decent amount of thought and effort into this. We've been, we've been brainstorming been it for a while. It's been a while. It's been a Stay with us. Marcus will have your top four at four when we continue. Hour number two coming up.